I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to interact with other listeners and followers and share your own insights and reflections about today's reading. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 174. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 24, Paragraphs 641 to 652. Chapter 24. The holy travelers, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, arrive in Egypt, and after some wanderings, they come to Heliopolis, where great miracles are wrought. 641. I have already mentioned that the flight of the Incarnate Word contained other mysteries and aimed at more exalted ends than to evade Herod and his persecution. The flight into Egypt was to afford the infant Savior an occasion of visiting that country and performing the miracles spoken of by the ancient prophets. Isaiah more expressly prophesies of them when he says that the Lord shall ascend upon a swift cloud and enter into Egypt, that the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and that the heart of the Egyptian shall melt in the midst thereof. Isaiah 19.1 These and other things contained in this prophecy happened at the time of the birth of Christ our Lord. Yet, passing over what does not pertain to my purpose, I wish to say that continuing their pilgrimage in the manner already described, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph arrived in the populated districts of Egypt. Before they came to the place of their abode in Heliopolis, they were conducted by the angels, according to the ordainment of the Most High, in a roundabout way, so that they might pass through many places where God wished his miracles and blessings to be wrought for the good of the Egyptians. Thus it came that they consumed in this journey more than fifty days, and the distance of their journey from Bethlehem or Jerusalem amounted to more than two hundred leagues, while by a direct route such long protracted travel would not have been necessary. 642. Egypt was very much given to idolatry and its concomitant superstition. Even in the small villages of this country were full of idols. In many of these places, temples had been built where the demons dwelt, and the inhabitants instructed by these devils gathered in them to offer services and sacrifices in their honor, while the demons answered their prayers by oracles, thus obtaining full control of this foolish and superstitious nation. 
steeped in these deceits, they lived on in such error and subjection to the demons that only the strong arm of the Lord, which is the incarnate word, could rescue these forsaken people and deliver them from the oppression of Lucifer. It was a harder and more dangerous slavery than that in which the Egyptians had held the people of Israel. Exodus 1.11 In order to obtain this deliverance and enlighten those that were living in the region in the shadows of death, Luke 1.79 And in order that they might see the great light spoken of by Isaiah, Isaiah 9.2 The Most High ordained that the Son of Justice, Christ, shortly after his birth, should appear in Egypt, in the arms of his most fortunate mother, and that he should journey and pass through this country, illumining it everywhere by the power of his divine light. 643. So then the infant Jesus with his mother and St. Joseph reached the inhabited country of Egypt. On entering the towns, the divine infant in the arms of his mother raised his eyes and his hands to the Father, asking for the salvation of these inhabitants held captive by Satan. And immediately he made use of his sovereign and divine power and drove the demons from idols and hurled them to the infernal abyss. Like lightning flashed from the clouds, they darted forth and descended to the lowermost caverns of hell and darkness. Luke 10.4 At the same instant, the idols crashed to the ground, the altars fell to pieces, and the temples crumbled to ruins. The cause of these marvelous effects were known to the heavenly lady, for she united her prayers with those of her most holy son as cooperatrix of his salvation. St. Joseph also knew this to be the work of the incarnate word, and he praised and extolled him in holy admiration. But the demons, although they felt the divine power, knew not whence this power proceeded. 644. The Egyptian people were astounded at these inexplicable happenings. Although among the more learned ever since the sojourn of Jeremiah in Egypt, an ancient tradition was current that a king of the Jews would come and that the temples of the idols would be destroyed. Yet of this prophecy the common people had no knowledge, nor did the learned know how it was to be fulfilled, and therefore the terror and confusion was spread among all of them, as was prophesied by Isaiah in 9.11. In Isaiah 9.1. In this disturbance and fear, some, reflecting on these events, came to our great lady and St. Joseph, and in their curiosity at seeing these strangers in their midst, they also spoke to them about the ruin of their temples and their idols. Making use of this occasion, the mother of wisdom began to undeceive these people, speaking to them of the true God, and teaching them that he is the one and only creator of heaven and earth, who is alone to be adored, acknowledged as God that all others are but false and deceitful gods, nothing more than the wood or clay or metal of which they are made, having neither eyes nor ears nor any power that the same artisans that made them and any other man could destroy them at pleasure. Since any man is more noble and powerful than they, that the oracles which they gave forth were answers of the lying and deceitful demons within them, and that the latter had no power, since there is but one true God. 645. The heavenly lady was so sweet and kind in her words, and at the same time so full of life and force. Her appearance was so charming, and all her intercourse was accompanied by such salutary effects, that the rumor of the arrival of these strange pilgrims quickly spread about in the different towns, and many people gathered to see them and hear them. 
Moreover, the powerful prayers of the Incarnate Word wrought a change of hearts and crumbling of the idols, caused an incredible commotion among these people, instilling into their minds knowledge of the true God and sorrow for their sins, without their knowing whence or through whom these blessings came to them. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph pursued their way through many towns of Egypt, performing these and many other miracles, driving out the demons not only from the idols, but out of many bodies possessed by them, curing many that were grievously and dangerously ill, enlightening the hearts by the doctrines of truth and eternal life. By these temporal benefits and others, so effectual in moving the ignorant, earthly-minded people, many were drawn to listen to the instructions of Mary and Joseph concerning a good and salutary life. 646. They arrived at Hermopolis, which lies in the direction of the Thebad, and is called by some of the city of Mercury. In it there were many idols infested by powerful demons. One of them dwelt in a tree at the entrance of a city, for the neighboring inhabitants had begun to venerate this tree on account of its size and beauty, whence the demon had taken occasion to erect his seat in it. When the incarnate word came within sight of this tree, not only was the demon hurled from his seat and cast into hell, but the tree bowed down to the ground, as if rejoiced by its good fortune, for even the senseless creatures testified how tyrannical is the dominion of the devil. This miraculous reverence of the trees happened at other times during the journey of Christ, although these incidences are not all recorded. But the memory of this event remained for centuries, for the leaves and fruits of this tree cured many sicknesses. Of this miracle some authors make mention, as well as of others, in other cities visited by the Incarnate Word and his mother. Nicefer 110, C31. Sozomen 1, 5, C20. Brocard 2, C4. There is, to this day, a traditional fount near Cairo, from which the Heavenly Lady drew water for herself and the child, and for washing his clothes. All this rests on truth and the veneration for these wonders, and these places still lives, not only among the faithful who visit the holy places, but also among the infidels who there occasionally obtain temporal benefits from the hands of the Lord. For also the infidels sometimes obtain certain favors, in order that the Lord may be justified before them, or in order that the memory of his wonders may be preserved. But it is not necessary to speak of them, especially just now, since the principal wonders during the stay of our Lord in Egypt were wrought in Heliopolis, which, not without mysterious import, was called City of the Sun, and is now called Cairo the Grand. 647. In writing of these wonders, I asked the great queen in astonishment how she could have traveled with the child through so many strange provinces and cities. For it appeared to me that she thereby prolonged exceedingly the labors and hardships of their journey. And Our Lady replied, Do not wonder that my most holy son and I journeyed so far in order to gain souls, for the sake of even one soul. If possible, and if there would be no other way, we would willingly traverse the whole world. If what Jesus and Mary did for the salvation of us men does not seem great to us, it is because we do not understand the immensity of their love, and because we understand just as little how to make a proper return for such love. 648. On account of these strange happenings when so many of the demons were driven by a new and unwanted power to populate hell, Lucifer was highly disturbed, 
furiously enraged. He issued forth into the world in order to investigate the cause of such unlooked-for events. He roamed about through all Egypt, where so many temples and altars of his idols had been overthrown, and reaching Heliopolis, the largest of the cities, and the scene of the greatest destruction in his dominions, he sought to ascertain with the utmost anxiety what kind of people dwelt therein. He found nothing new except the Most Holy Mary had arrived in the city. Of the infant Jesus he made no account, deeming him a child, just like all the rest of that age, for he knew nothing particular about him. But as he had been so often vanquished by the virtues and holiness of the Virgin Mother, he was seized with new consternation. Although he considered a woman far too insignificant for such great works, yet he resolved anew to persecute her and to stir up against her his associates in wickedness. 6.49 He therefore returned immediately to hell, and calling a meeting of the prince of darkness, told them of the destruction of the temples and the idols in Egypt. For these demons had been hurled by the divine power from their habitations, with such suddenness, confusion, and torment, that at their departure they were unable to ascertain the fate of the idols and temples, which they were forced to leave. Lucifer, informing them of all that had happened, and that he feared the destruction of his reign in Egypt, told them that he could not ascertain or understand what was the cause of this ruin, since he had found there only that woman, his enemy, for so the dragon called most holy Mary, and though he knew that her power was extraordinary, yet he did not presume it to be so great as to account for such portents. Nevertheless, he wished them to begin a new war against her, and that all should prepare themselves for it. The satellites of Lucifer proclaimed their readiness to obey, trying to console him in his desperate fury, and promising him victory, as if their forces were as great as their arrogance. Isaiah 16.6 6.50 Many legions of devils accordingly sallied forth from hell, and betook themselves to the place where the Queen of Heaven was at that time. As they suspected that God had used the Most Holy Mary as his instrument, in causing all their losses in that unfortunate country, they thought they could make up for their defeat and restore their dominion if they succeeded in overcoming her. But they were astonished to find that when they attempted to approach her in order to begin their diabolical temptations, they could not come nearer to her than a distance of two thousand paces, for they were restrained by the divine power, which they perceived issuing forth from the heavenly lady herself. Although Lucifer and the hostile bands struggled violently, they were paralyzed, and as if bound in strong and tormenting shackles, without being able to reach the most unconquerable queen, while she witnessed their struggles, holding in her arms the omnipotence of God himself, as Lucifer preserved in his attempts, he was suddenly hurled into the abyss of hell, with all his squadrons and wicked spirits. This defeat and ruin filled the dragon with vast torment and anxiety, and as the like had overtaken him repeatedly since the Incarnation, he began to have new misgivings whether the Messiah had not come into the world. But since he knew nothing of the mystery and expected the Messiah to come in great splendor and renown, he remained uncertainty and doubt, full of tormenting fury and wrath. He was consumed with the desire to find out the cause of his sufferings, and the more he inquired, the more was he involved in darkness and so much the less did he ascertain of the true cause. Instruction given me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary.
651. My daughter, great and above all else to be esteemed in the consolation of the faithful friends of my most holy son, when they with lively faith and assurances are permitted to serve the Lord of lords and the God of gods, who alone holds power and dominion over all creation, and who triumphs and reigns over his enemies. In this feeling of assurance, the intellect is delighted, the memory is recreated, the will is rejoiced, and all the powers of the devout soul enjoy the sweetness of the most exalted activity. For they are entirely taken up with this supreme goodness, holiness, and infinite power, which has need of none outside itself, and whose will governs all created things. Oh, how many thousandfold blessings do those creatures lose who, forgetful of their true happiness, employ all the time of their life and all their powers in attending upon visible things, pursuing the momentary pleasures, and seeking the apparent and deceitful goods of this world. In the knowledge and light vouchsafed to thee, I would wish, my daughter, that thou withdraw thyself from this danger, and that thy intellect and memory occupy themselves continually with the reality of the existence of thy God. In this endless sea, engulf and annihilate thyself, repeating without cessation, Who is like to God our Lord, that dwells on high, and looks upon the humble in heaven and on earth? Psalm 112.5 Who is like to him, that is almighty and depends upon no one, that humbles the proud and casts down those whom the blind world calls powerful, that triumphs over the demon and hurls him into the abyss. 652. In order that thy heart may dilate so much the more upon these truths and attain a greater power over the enemies of the Most High and of thyself, I wish that as far as is possible thou imitate me, glorying in the victories and triumphs of this mighty arm, and seeking thyself to have a share in those which he gains over this cruel dragon. No created tongue, not that of the seraphim, can describe what my soul felt when I beheld my most holy son, working such wonders against his enemies, for the benefit of the souls blinded and terrorized by their errors, and for the exaltation and honor of the Most High. In this jubilation I magnified the Lord, and in company with my son I composed new hymns of praise, as his mother and as spouse of the Holy Ghost. Thou art a daughter of the Holy Church, and a spouse of my most blessed son, favored by his grace. It is therefore just that thou be zealous in acquiring this glory and honor for him, striving against his enemies, and battling for the triumphs of thy spouse. This concludes our reading today for day number 174. We've been reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 24, Paragraphs 641 to 652. One of the things we are reminded of today, because we are told it's in the Scriptures, and it's quite possible you've heard it, that Jesus had to go to Egypt, because one of the great prophecies was, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And so Jesus has to fly into Egypt to fulfill these ancient prophecies, as we heard today in paragraph 641. And we heard about the great idolatry that was taking place in Egypt, and the presence of Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, destroys many of these altars and temples as he passes by. In a sense, the Lord had to visit Egypt so that these idolatrous religions could be vanquished, could be destroyed. 
the people were curious how this was coming about, and eventually they would learn. They would know. But they had wonder and astonishment at this woman and child who were proceeding through their village. And then we read about Hermopolis. One of them dwelt in a tree, one of these powerful demons or idols, dwelt in a tree at the entrance of the city for the neighboring inhabitants, and they had begun to venerate this tree on account of its size and beauty, whence the demon had taken occasion to erect a seed in it. Now, this is something that will happen throughout the centuries. So this is discovered at the time of Jesus, we see. But actually, I've been to Belgium, and in Belgium there are many stories of the pagans worshiping a statue or whatever, a false god, in a tree. And so there are lots of shrines then, Our Lady of Scarpenhuvel, Notre Dame de Foix. These shrines of Our Lady all began when the Christians began replacing those idols with an image of Mary and Jesus. And then the story goes in some of these places that they try to remove the statue and a person might have been struck paralyzed. And that's why a shrine is built there today. They knew that Our Lady did not want to leave this place that God had willed for a shrine to be made. I think of this in light of that idol in the tree and how we can transform these false traditions of culture and Christianize them. One of the greatest idols that was taking place was during the time in which Our Lady visited Tepeyac Hill, Our Lady of Guadalupe. They were offering their infants to pagan gods, and Our Lady comes as the pregnant Madonna and converts the nations. People's hearts change. They choose to worship the one true God. And then... It's interesting to me that we hear of these two different traditions. First, of the miraculous reverence of the trees that had a healing power, which comes on the heels of us reading about the tree that had the demon in it. And then also that fountain where Our Lady drew water. Because in my mind, as I read that and as I contemplate that, I wonder, well, how does Maria of Agreda know these traditions? Remember, she's writing in the 1600s. Was the library of the monastery or her home that grand that she would have read these traditions? Or are these facts being revealed to her by another person, such as the Blessed Virgin Mary? Is God revealing these things to her and that's how she comes to the knowledge of some of these traditions in Egypt. Maria of Agreda never went to Egypt, although she did bilocate, so maybe she did go to Egypt, who knows? But to my knowledge, she didn't. But yet she knows of these places that are venerated, honoring Our Lady and Our Lord. And then with the destruction of these altars and pagan worship, we see how the devil it becomes envious. He realizes that he's losing power in the world, and he wants to attack. And yet he is not victorious. Because who is victorious? 
the woman who will crush the head of the serpent, the woman who battles the dragon with the crown of stars on her head, the woman with her child who came to right the original wrongs of the world. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.